0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. All right, well, good morning, Love City Church. We're so glad you're here with us today on this incredible day in our Christian calendar. Uh, if you're watching today and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe it's your first time to church, or you're just visiting with us, I want to welcome you. Today is Easter Sunday, and uh, you saw a bunny earlier, and I think all the kiddos uh, in our church received a uh, personal gift from us to you, from our from uh, Pastor Jesse. Uh, but we just hope you enjoy that. We love you so much, and we're just excited that you are in God's house today. And uh, so wherever you are, whether you're with people on uh, Facebook or your social distancing in your home, we were going on a walk yesterday and walking down the street, and there was a whole fam, two families outside, but they were all like six feet apart from each other, and it just looked hilarious. Just all these people scattered across this lawn, and I congratulated them on being um, on flattening the curve. So uh, we hope you're doing well, you're healthy, and you're safe, and um, we're just going to get into the Word today, talking about... The resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the truth is this: uh, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christianity does not exist. Uh, this is the uh, this is the very essence, the core, the foundation of what it means to be a true follower of Christ is to believe fully and completely that Jesus Christ did actually rise from the dead. It's the most foundational uh, belief system in our in our uh, that we have, and so. Uh, so it's a really important day for us because this is the day where we celebrate that Jesus is who he says that he is. It's the day when he was either a lunatic, he was a liar, or he's God. You know, in either, either on that day, either someone stole his body, Jesus never died, or he truly rose from the dead. And that's up to you to make that choice and the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. But I just want to encourage you today to, if you're a follower of Christ today, to remember that Jesus Christ literally rose from the dead. And that means incredible implications for your life. And so today, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of walk through a story today, uh, give you a few observations from that scripture. And I just spent a lot of time this week just meditating on this verse and meditating on this idea. And uh, God kind of revealed some really cool things to me that I I hope uh, you are uh, encouraged by today. We're going to start our journey in John chapter 19. Uh, verses uh, 40 to 42, and then we're going to jump into chapter 20. And we're just going to read a little bit about uh, the story of when Jesus rose from the dead. It's starting in verse 40. It says, Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they had, or they laid Jesus there. Afterward, uh, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. And she saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord uh, out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And the disciples went back, uh, back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped and she looked into the tomb. So that's our context today, we're going to look at that story, but before we get into that today, I want to kind of go back a little bit to last week, talk a little bit about some things again that we talked a bit about last week, our key text for kind of this two week series, There's Still Hope, was Proverbs 13, 12, a hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I'm going to read that again, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. See, this is where we're at in our world today. You know, I, I, I'm sure there's people across the world today who are sharing on Sundays, are all talking about the same thing, COVID-19. This global pandemic that has kept every one of us in our homes, many of us have been in our homes for two, maybe even three weeks, and not seen a single person other than our family, and I'm sure they're driving you nuts, amen? Come on, but you love them, and you find your separate parts of the room. But our world is facing something right now, and I realized something about this pandemic that we're facing. Everyone is afraid of whether or not they're going to get sick or not. There's people across the world who are worried about physical sickness, and I get it, and it makes sense, but in the reality is this. There's something deeper. There's a deeper sickness that is in our world today, and it is the sickness of our hearts. It says the hope deferred makes our hearts sick. This word deferred is to put off. It means to drag out. It means to make the heart sick, it means that you're in despair, it means you're experiencing affliction. The Good News Translation says this when hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. When we wait for something that's good and and, and have a good attitude that it's going to get better and hope that this thing's going to work out, that's sentimental hope. That's not the hope that I'm referring to. I'm referring to a deeper hope that even when something goes wrong in our lives, when things fall apart, when the finances go bad, when difficulty faces us, that hope is in our Creator, Jesus Christ. And why? Because He said He would rise from the dead, and He did. The hope that we have in our lives is not a sentimental hope. It's a hope and a belief that Jesus Christ did what he said he would do. He rose from the dead. But the other side of this verse, we didn't talk about it last week. This idea that when a longing is fulfilled is like the tree of life longing fulfilled something you've hoped for, something you've attained for, something you've wanted, something you've desired. that When you see that thing fulfilled, when you put your hope in God and you see this thing fulfilled, it's like a tree of life. And as I mentioned, every need across our planet right now is often focused on the physical but in reality, each of us has this sickness in our heart where we're longing for something to satisfy us. We're longing for something to bring us joy. We're longing for something to bring us fulfillment and something to bring us hope and something to bring us excitement and something to bring us meaning and purpose in our lives. And yet every single day we find ourselves longing and frustrated and broken broken in the depths of our heart. We want something to make us new and restore us. And I want you to know that when that happens, the Bible says, it is like, listen, a tree of life. And I begin to think about that word tree of life. Man, where have I heard about the tree of life? I know you're all thinking it. If you go to church, you probably know what I'm going to say. But if you go back all the way back to, uh, to Genesis, we look back at the, the account of Genesis and we see that in creation, there was a tree of life. There was an empty void across the water, it says. There was emptiness, there was voidless, there was nothing. And it says that God, the creator, came and he made the heavens and the earth. And it says in the scripture in Genesis chapter 2 that God planted a garden. So here, he is the gardener. This gardener planted this garden. And in this garden, he planted a tree of life. And then he placed man and woman in this garden. And in this garden was where they had relationship, where they thrived, where they had connection with God. And in this in this place was where God was the gardener and the tree of life is what brought them sustenance and the tree of life is what brought them their eternal life that every time they ate and chose the tree of life they experienced the benefits and the fruits of what it meant to be in this garden. So this creator God, this garden, this gardener planted this garden and chose to put a tree of life. A longing fulfilled is like the tree of life. He planted this tree of life, but in the story that we all know about the creation, somewhere along the journey, Adam and Eve chose and decided to, to not eat of that tree. They chose another tree. And when they chose that other tree... In that process it was a rejection of God and they chose themselves and as the story goes they were no longer now allowed to be in the gardeners garden they could no longer be in a place where they could be in this great perfect eternal relationship with God and here they were now no longer in the place of life now they were in a place where there was only graves So once in a place where it was the gardener's garden with the tree of life, they would eat the fruit, they would survive, they would thrive, they would live life, they had a joy. It was never-ending, eternal life. But once they chose this other tree, now they were outside of the garden and all they saw were graves. Now they saw death. Now they experienced expiration date on their lives. And so now they found themselves in a place where they were no longer they were no longer in a place where they were experiencing eternal life. They were no longer able to be in that place. They were no longer in the gardener's garden. They were in a place outside of that where there was graves, where eternal life was no longer possible. And this is where they lived. And this is where over time, sickness and death and disease and hardship and difficulty. And today in our global world, we are experiencing on An incredible level. I just spoke to my grandmother. She's 93 years old, as young as any of you. And I said, Grandma Ginger, have you ever experienced anything like this in your whole life? She says, I went through the Great Depression. I went through World War II. I was born in 1926, and I've never experienced anything like this. Our world's facing... Something that we all look at and we look at this pandemic and we look at what's happening in the politics and finances and stock market and economy and all of the things. And even I've experienced some, some hate against uh, myself in certain situations where I'm not following the rules perfectly or maybe I said something I shouldn't have or, you know, it's just the, the it kind of feels like the tensions rising a little bit. You say, why is it like that? It's because a long time ago they no longer lived in a place of eternity. They no longer lived in the garden, the the gardener's garden. Now they lived outside of that. And that's when sickness and death and disease came into our world. And all of us begin to experience a longing not being fulfilled. This key verse that I'm sharing with you today has incredible implications for your life because we see that this longing that's not fulfilled, this hope that is deferred, this hope that is postponed, it causes a deep frustration in all of us. It causes a pain in all of us, and it causes us to be in a place where we're constantly wondering, God, when are you going to fix this? God, when are you going to come back? God, when is this going to get better? When are situations that I'm facing going to get better? God, what? what is going on in this world and we have this hope that sometimes based on sentimental emotion of a circumstance getting better when in reality, there's still hope for you right now amongst the difficulty and the tragedy and the hardship and the difficulty that you're facing because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. It's interesting because that garden had a tree. Like thousands of years later, a man named Jesus who rejected equality with God to come to earth to put on this human form walked a perfect sinless life, 100% man, 100% God, lived a sinless life, walked the earth. This man came, and this man was a man who was God himself, 100% man, 100% God. And John wrote about him, John, his best friend, in John chapter one. And this is what he said about him. He said, through him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Okay, so this verse implies that Jesus was at creation, only no, that, that all things were created through Jesus. This means that when, when we were in the garden and that tree of life, the tree of life that we experience today, Jesus is that tree of life. So a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. A longing fulfilled is Jesus. Then it was a tree in a garden, in the gardener's garden, because Jesus was there, his presence was there, and as long as they had Jesus there, they experienced the eternal life, but they stepped out of that world, and now Jesus came back to the planet to make all things right. He entered the world from the gardener's garden, the creator of it, but also from it. And he walked along on this planet, and he brought people along with him, and he was on this earth, And what he did was, is he turned people's graves into gardens. It's a beautiful song that Elevation just put out that I've been listening to, and it just struck me that this is what Jesus does. We started in a a garden. We were intended to live in a garden. We were intended to be in that place of Eden. And then we've lived our whole lives in a grave until we met Jesus. He turns our grave into a garden. And we see in this verse here that that our story here today that Jesus lived on the earth and he went around turning people's graves into gardens and he would restore the sight and he would heal the sick and he would raise the dead and he would heal relationships and heal hearts and heal broken lives and Jesus would constantly be bringing life to people. And then one day the Jewish people were so upset with him, specifically the religious people, because they didn't like the fact that he was proclaiming that he was God and so they decided that they wanted to murder him. And so what they did was they murdered Jesus. Listen, the only way for Jesus to turn this grave we live in into a garden is to bring a perfect sinless sacrifice. A blood sacrifice must happen in order to appease the wrath of God against all mankind. And when Jesus Christ, the perfect sinless sacrifice, came to the earth and was murdered for you and for me, he made a way back into the garden that we did not have prior to the resurrection. So if the resurrection didn't happen, we are all hooped. We are lost. Jesus was murdered and he was the perfect sacrifice. He was in a rigged trial. He received a quick guilty verdict. He was beaten so badly that the the flesh on his back was ripped apart. You could see his bones and you could see his muscles. There was a crown of thorn put on his head. They forced him to carry his own cross to Golgotha. A hundred pounds of untreated splintered wood on his back. He drove nine, they drove nine inch nails through the center of his wrist and through the center of his feet at a 43 degree angle his body was and so that his body was turned and so it caused his shoulders to be dislocated and his calves to be dislocated and he found his inability to breathe and so he had to pull himself up to breathe and eventually Jesus was suffering of heart, lung, and muscle failure until he came to the point where scholars believe the heart of Jesus completely burst within his body. So overwhelming, the murder of Jesus. And that was Friday evening when they pulled him off of that cross and they laid him into a tomb on Saturday and he lay completely dead. And here's Jesus in a grave. He was there at creation. He was the creator of the garden. He was the gardener and the garden and the tree of life. Here the tree of life is laying in a grave dead. And all of the people who are surrounding our story today have this deep sense of hopelessness knowing that I had put so much of my attention and my hope and my expectation that God or that Jesus would turn my life out in a certain way. I had imagined that when he talked about dying and being risen on the third day, that it was just an analogy or an allegory or a metaphor. I didn't actually think that Jesus would actually go to the cross and die. The idea of him now rising from the dead is so crazy and unorthodox and out of this world. I don't even know what's going on. All I know is that Jesus is dead. It's Saturday. He died yesterday. I don't know what else to do, but all I know is that I'm hopeless. My heart is sick and I'm grieving. And I'm feeling down and discouraged, knowing that my Lord and my God, who I put all my affection on, is now laying dead in a grave. And in our story that we read earlier, in in John chapter 20, a woman named Mary woke up early in the morning before the sun came up. She went to go check on this tomb because she had had an incredible experience with God, which we'll talk about in a moment here's mary the very first person to go to the tomb that morning this sunday morning this morning she went there looking for the tomb because i believe what she wanted to do was get in there to embalm the body to make sure that they could preserve the body of jesus for as long as they could but when they got there the two thousand pound limestone rock had been moved She got there, and she was so overwhelmed at what was going on and convinced that someone had stolen the body of Jesus. So she ran and she got Peter, one of Jesus' closest confidants. Remember the one that that denied him? And John, Jesus' best buddy. And they went and got them and said, guys, listen, Jesus has been He's been stolen. I don't know what happened. I don't know who would do such a stupid thing, but they've taken him and you need to come. And those two ran. They ran as fast as they could back to the place where they were there at the tomb, unsure what was going on. And they poke their head inside the tomb and they see this little, nicely wrapped, folded. I love this detail if you've ever seen it. Jesus left, he folded his clothes. My wife would love Jesus. He folded his clothes perfectly and put them on the end of the tomb. And the Bible says that, But when John looked in, he believed. But when Peter looked in, he noticed the folded folded cloth. I believe Jesus did that just for Peter. Hey, Peter, I want to remind you, I'm in control, bud. And they get out of the tomb, and they run back home. They didn't stay, which is odd to me. They ran home. And the Bible says they actually locked themselves behind closed doors in fear of the Jews. So Peter and John, look at this. Oh my gosh, something's gone. Someone must have taken the body. They folded the clothes, which is really odd. It seems like they would just kind of run out and leave the clothes on the floor. And they run back and they lock their doors and they're afraid in their home. But Mary, Mary stayed. And it says in the Bible that Mary was, was so, so, she was grieving. She was weeping. This word weeping is actually a very similar word to to the idea of hopelessness or the idea of of feeling the depths of grief, feeling that anger and the discouragement and and, and the depression and the bargaining of maybe I could have done something different and all the, the stages of grief she was going through and she was frustrated and she didn't know what to do. I mean, I have to say, there's probably a lot of people right now in their lives who are experiencing this. Whether you've lost someone recently, I know a few people who've lost some folks. I know that when, I lost my uncle, my uncle Dick a few couple years ago. Man, I went through these stages of grief where it would overwhelm me at times and times I was mad and times I wish I would have done it better and I had all these thoughts and finally I just accepted it and I was frustrated and I was angry. Going through grief is so difficult. And here's this woman, she's grieving the fact that Jesus is dead and now someone has stolen his body. I found an interesting detail here in John chapter 12. He says And Mary decided that she was going to stick her head back in the tomb. Peter and John saw that she wasn't there, but they decided, okay, I'm going to stick my head in the tomb. And so Mary puts her head in the tomb and realizes that Jesus isn't there, but there was two angels sitting there, one in the head and one at the feet. Mary didn't get afraid, didn't even bother her. I don't know about you, but if I was at a cemetery in a tomb where a dead body should be, and two angels showed up, I would be a little freaked out. And Mary didn't even flinch. They said to her, why are you weeping? And she said, someone, they have taken away my Lord. They've taken him away. Where is he gone? And she's looking at these angels and they're saying, why are you weeping? Why are you frustrated? She said, they've taken my Lord I mean, she's missing the whole reality that here in this tomb is a folded, wrapped cloth and two angels, something supernatural is going on, Mary. And yet she's standing in this tomb, talking to these two men like it's no big deal. And here's something very powerful that happened. It says in the scripture, having said this, she turned around. She's looking in the tomb. She's talking to these angels She's focused on this empty tomb. She's not even really recognizing the fact that there's two supernatural angels, this God moment, and says she turns around and there's Jesus standing right in front of her. It says in the verse, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And she said to her, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing, listen, supposing him to be a gardener. Hmm. She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away now. I don't know if you caught this when I read this in the very beginning, but in John chapter 19, it was very clear that when they took Jesus' body, It says in the scripture that there was a garden nearby. Jesus' tomb was in a garden, and they laid a dead body in a tomb in a garden. And here's Mary, looking at this empty tomb, looking through the lens in her her world of the empty tomb, thinking about the empty tomb, thinking about the disease, thinking about the fear, thinking about the hardship, looking at the situation, focused on the difficulty. And little did she know that she was standing in the garden and behind her was the gardener. And she turns around and she looks at this man and he says, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Who are you seeking? Who are you trying to find? Why are you here? Who is it that you're seeking? This is a a word God wanted me to say to you today. Who are you seeking? Are you looking at the tomb? Are you looking at the tragedy? Are you looking at the hardship? Are you looking at the difficulty? Are you looking at those things in your life? Or are you realizing that right now in your season, God's got you in his garden and the gardener is with you and he's leading you to the tree of life and he's leading you to eternal life and he's leading you to hope and to joy and to peace. That's what God wants to do in this season. But all you have to do is stop looking forward at the problem and start looking back at the gardener. And that's what we're doing today. We're looking back at the tomb over 2,000 years ago and we're saying, look at Jesus rose from the dead. We're not looking at our hardship. We're not looking at our difficulty. We're not gonna allow the situation we're facing to deter us. We're not gonna look at an empty tomb. Even when God's trying to bring a supernatural moment to your life, even when God's trying to bring something into your life, we seem to look around it and see the empty tomb. We don't realize they're right behind you. Jesus is right there. You might not recognize it, she didn't. She thought he was a gardener. Oh, this isn't supernatural. God's not involved. You know, my wife and I, I'll share this with you. You know, normally whenever we face a financial difficulty, my wife and I are praying, God, God, help us like not to lose our job. God, please, God, we're just, our money's so tight and we're just, you know, help us not to lose our job. And i just find most of the time we pray that, Steph loses her job. And then God supernaturally provides. And I'm frustrated. I'm looking at an empty tomb and I'm seeing a gardener. When in reality, it's two angels and it's Jesus. (laughs) This time, he said, Lord, would you help us to lose our job? Not me, of course, my wife. Like, well, you know, EI and things like this, and maybe it'll be better for our family because our kids are home. And guess what? Steph didn't lose her job, (laughs) she kept her benefits. It was like, okay, God. This time I said, okay, now I'm going to recognize this tomb ain't empty. You got to look at your marriage and recognize something. It's not empty anymore, it's not a grave anymore, it's a garden. (laughs) You got to look at your finances. You got to look at your situation. You got to look at your home right now and make a personal decision that when your eyes are on the empty tomb and you're thinking, man, what's happened here? God is trying to show you the angels in the tomb to just remind you. But if maybe you can't get there, all you got to do is you got to turn around and look back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and be reminded that your God rose from the dead and the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. That means that no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter the tragedies and the difficulties, I know it's big, I know it's hard, I know it's overwhelming, but by God's grace and by God's power and by the resurrection power that comes through Jesus Christ, you have everything that you need to live a godly life and make it through this life. Why? Because our eyes are the gardener, not just an empty tomb. The tree of life, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. We've got to spend our time looking back. Look at this verse, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If you're here today watching and you don't know Christ, this is how, John 17, 3, and this is the way to have eternal life. She so says, this is the way to live in the garden with the gardener. He says, you've got to eat, you've got to choose the tree of life. And the way to have eternal life, this is what it says, is to know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, and the one you sent to earth. If you want to have eternal life, if you want to experience the resurrection power, if you want God to bless you, not just make you rich, it's not what I mean. I mean favor on your life where when things get hard, your eyes are on him, that when difficulty arises, you're able to have composure and recognize that my God is a resurrecting God. And when you're facing hardship in your life and difficulty and things are falling apart, you have this supernatural capacity and the divine power to be able to look the situation in the eye and say, you aren't going to defy me. You're not going to make me who I am. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross. He took it on his back and he rose from the dead and I will be more more than a conqueror through Christ who gives me strength. (laughs) We have to recognize that if we want eternal life, we have to know him. Jesus talked again about this in John chapter four. He said, verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Something very fascinating, I want to give you just three quick observations about this verse. Very, very fascinating about this verse is that here's the first thought, the observation, and I'll give you a kind of a, uh, an applicable point, but just the observation is that if you recognize in this verse in John chapter 20, the very, very first person that Jesus spoke to as the resurrected king was Mary. The first person he spoke to was Mary. The first Person he saw and revealed himself to was Mary. After Jesus spoke to her, said, what's the problem? Why are you weeping? She says, she says sir, if you've taken the body, he started, it's funny, she blamed Jesus for taking the body. <laughs> Jesus turns around, she thinks he's a gardener. Sir, if you took the body, listen, just give him to me now. Jesus is like, dude, I can't carry myself. <laughs> and then Jesus spoke to her. He revealed himself to her here's the first observation the first thing that Jesus the first person that Jesus spoke to was a person who had a sick heart she was grieving she was lost she was confused I want to speak to you today and say that if you're if, if you are a follower of Jesus and you have a sick heart I want you to know that it, it's normal <laughs> You might be saying, well, I'm a Christian or I'm a follower of Christ. I'm not supposed to experience. No, don't worry. It's just living in this sick world. Christ will restore us when he comes back the time being, we will experience these emotions and we will experience these hardships and we'll experience these difficulties and the things, these things will overwhelm us. And you have to understand that when Jesus came and died on a cross and when he rose again, he rises again and he comes to you today. If you have a broken heart or you have a, a f- dealing with anxiety or fear or overwhelmed with sin or shame or or in your life, you're just overwhelmed with these things. Jesus, the first person Jesus came to, he was concerned about her sick heart because she was grieving He said, why are you weeping? Why are you so sad? Why is your heart so discouraged? Why have you lost your faith? What's going on in your heart? Jesus didn't reject her and, oh, I can't speak to you because you don't have enough faith, or, oh, I don't know about you, or, you know, he didn't do that at all. He just went right up to her and he spoke to her. Why? Because when Jesus died on a cross and he rose on the third day, he did that for people that were sick, not well. See, this is the state of our entire world right now. The state of our entire world is that we're sick and that we're seeking. We're sick and we're seeking because our hearts have been deferred and there's just more to this. And we have to remember that when you have a sick heart, you should not look, try to look beyond the problem. Looking beyond the problem will not work. We have to look back at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look back at what Christ did for us and look back, at his resurrection power and recognize that he spoke to our hearts. He called us out. He met with us. The second thought here today is the second thing he said to her was, he called her by name. John 20 16 says, Jesus said to her, he just said one word. He asked her a question. He said, Why are you weeping and who are you seeking? Who are you seeking today? The tomb? Angels, miracles, financial gain? Where are you seeking the resurrected Jesus? The gardener, the tree of life. And then Jesus said to her, Mary, it's really important you see this. Jesus came back from the dead, and he he, he knew exactly who he was talking to. And he looked at this woman. This woman who had experienced traumatic things in her life. He looked her right in the eyes and he spoke to her by name. He didn't talk to her about her areas of wrong. He didn't speak to her about the things where she was off. He didn't challenge her on her unbelief. He didn't speak ill to her. He looked at her and said, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly what's going on in your life. I know exactly what you're facing. I know exactly what you're experiencing. He knows you. He's watching you. He wants to be around you. He wants to experience you. The second thought here is that he, he called her by name. He calls you by name. Here's the third thought. And then we'll end our time together today. The third thing is this, and this is really important. And I want you to hear me today. Man, it's crazy how many Christians I talk to on a regular basis who are convinced that you don't deserve God's grace. And here's a good answer for you. You don't. <laughs> the third thought is this. Jesus spoke to someone who did not deserve it. I mean, think about this for a minute. This is the resurrected King Jesus. The holy, righteous God, who was, walk- he was the walking, talking Garden of Eden. I mean, this God was so righteous and so holy, and he's the creator of the universe. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's a jealous, righteous, mighty God. And the first person he talks to is an ex-prostitute woman. You say, you say woman, like, Ryan, I'm going to leave now. Don't change the channel. Listen, in those days, women were not respected. Women were not, were not honored. Women were not revered. In fact, The fact that a woman was the first one, many, many people in the early years wanted to remove that because women were despised in those days. The first person Jesus went to was a despised individual who had a disgusting past. She was an ex-prostitute. She met Jesus when Jesus, uh, when uh, this woman was committing adultery with one of, supposedly, with one of the religious leaders. And these Pharisees, religious leaders, walked in on this guy and Mary, uh, committing adultery, and they pulled her out, half naked, into the middle of a big square. And while she's sitting in this big square, throws her to the ground, and these religious leaders go over and grab up a bunch of rocks, and all these people gather around, and all of them sit there for a moment. And Jesus says, okay, Jesus, or the the, the, uh, religious leaders look at Jesus and say, okay, Jesus. The Mosaic law says that we're supposed to stone this woman. What do you say? Jesus, you've heard this before, he gets down and he starts to ride on the floor and then he gets up and he says, okay, well, whoever of you is without sin, cast the first stone. And they start to pick up their stones and little by little, they drop their stones and they walk away. And Jesus gets down with this woman, the, the gardener, the tree of life, eternity himself. The creator God he stoops down and he says where are your accusers where are those who condemn you you've got a pretty gross past you've been a prostitute for a long time done some pretty terrible things where are your accusers where are the people that can judge you she looks around she says Jesus there are none and Jesus says and neither do I condemn you either go and sin no more This was the same woman that was at the very feet of Jesus. The reason that Jesus came to her is because this woman's heart was broken. And she had had a terrible past and she had made mistakes and she had made difficulties and she, she had fallen short and she had a sinful lifestyle and Jesus came and forgave her and transformed her. And see, Jesus decided that the first person that I'm going to show up to, the first person that I'm going to reveal myself to, is a woman who didn't deserve it, who is broken, who is fearful, who is anxious, who feels lost. This is who Jesus came for. He didn't come for the, for the well. This is what he says in Luke 5.30. The Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do I've come to call not those who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners and need to repent this is who Jesus came for he died on a cross and 2000 plus years ago he rose from the dead and you're here today and you're like that Mary he came to you and he says hey I want to give you eternal life. I want, I want to give you access as the gardener back into the garden so that you can eat from the tree of life and experience eternity. <laughs> I want to come in your life right now, in your brokenness, in the areas of your life that no one wants to get near, in the things in you that are broken and hurting, where you feel lost and you feel like you can't make it, in the areas where no one else sees it and you won't let anyone else in and you isolate yourself, not because of COVID-19, Because deep inside, there's shame, and there's guilt, and there's fear. You think, well, Jesus is going to go to this person. He's going to go to that person. Oh, no, no. Jesus wants to come for you. Broken, hurting, sick in heart, worried, lacking faith, maybe a little bit of doubt and fear. That's exactly who Jesus came I want to just blow out the idea of religion today. For those of you who are watching that maybe haven't been to church before, or maybe you've gone to church and it was a bit religious. I'm telling you here today, Jesus hates religion. He stood against the religious leaders and the religious leaders were the kind of people that would walk up to a woman like this and say, oh, disgusting, but not our Jesus. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, he wants you to come home. i want to end on this story today and this actually is in my notes just hit me in my head today and um, I've shared this story in the past but I wanted to share it again I feel it might be applicable to today as as those of you specifically who are watching who have never given your life to the Lord the story of a young girl who lived in a in the slums of a town Um, she was poor and didn't have a lot of stuff and her mom had to work three or four jobs just to help provide for the family. She had a picture on her wall of the big city. She said to herself, one day, one day I'm going to go to this big city. And one day I'm going to make something of myself and get out of this shack. One day her mom came home and her daughter had grown enough to where she could get on the bus by herself. And a young teenage girl, she came home and her daughter had packed her bags and left. So this mom took all the money she had. She went down to the bus station. She went into uh, one of those old uh, photo booth things where you take a picture and it's got like six or seven pictures. And she took like a, all all of her money on taking a picture of herself. Funny pictures like, hey, he, who, ah, you know, all these funny things, little things her mom would know and pinching her cheek and doing all these things just to try to be fun and take all these pictures. And then she flipped over each picture and she wrote a little message on the back of each picture. She cut them up them in her purse. She got on the bus and she went to the big city. She got there and she looked. She looked and she looked and she looked. She looked at every area of the city. She looked at places where there was prostitutes and places where there was drug addicts and places where people would go and they didn't have much to live for. And she, on and on, she looked and looked and looked until finally she had, she had no, uh, no hope and she lost and was, was confused and she said, I, fine, I, I just have to go home. So she got back on the bus and she went back to her home and she had lost her daughter. One day, this young teenage girl was walking down the stairs into a hotel lobby. And as you look at her, you could see the wornness on her face. Her face had, face had leathered and been worn and been brought broken. And, and as you look at her, you recognize, you don't know how many countless men she'd been with and all the drugs that she had taken. And it was not the same precious little girl. Her eyes were, were watery and, and broken and the color had been removed and she looked empty inside. And as she came to the very bottom of this hotel lobby, she looked up and she looked across the way and she saw a familiar face she ran across the hotel lobby and on this mirror she found this little tiny square picture and it was her mother. It was her beautiful, beautiful mom. She flipped the picture over and she read this beautiful message. Dear sweetheart, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, it doesn't matter the message for you today no matter what you've done no matter where you've been no matter the things you've been through in life Jesus rose on the third day to give you access to heaven to eternal life to have a relationship with him he comes here today and says please come home I want a relationship with you again I want to have intimacy with you again I want to be your friend again I know you've probably had bad experiences with me in the past. I know maybe you've had bad experiences at churches or maybe you blame some things on God. I get it, I understand it, but I want you to know today the Father I know, the God that I know, he's written a a message on the back of a picture and he says, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, would you please come home? Jesus died and he rose again and the first person he appeared to was you. Come on, I'm just gonna stand today and if you wanna stand with me at home, you're welcome to. I want to pray every week. We pray for two different people. We pray for those who are watching, who are followers of Jesus today that just need some fresh encouragement. And then we pray for those who maybe uh, have never given their lives to Jesus. So let me pray for you today. I'm going to pray for that first group. Lord, I just pray right now. Father, I pray for the people who are watching today at home who feel hopeless. Their eyes are on the tomb. God, you've tried to bring us angels and different circumstances to get us out of it, but Lord, we're just so focused on the problem, on the situation, that we don't even realize that, Jesus, you're standing right with us. You're leading us back into the garden, back to the tree of life, back to a place where we can hope again, knowing that Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, lives in I pray in this season for a fresh strength. I pray in this season for a fresh joy. I pray in this season for a fresh power, a fresh excitement, a fresh joy and a hope to fill their lives in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, and if you're here today and you're watching and you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ, you're at home right now, it's very simple. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be say. That means right now in your home, you can say a simple prayer and accept Christ into your life and you can have a relationship with him. That's the exciting part about this. It's free. It's undeserved. You've done nothing to deserve it. He loves you and he wants a relationship with you right now. So if you'd like to do that, why don't you just repeat after me as I pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I want to give my life to you. I recognize that I am in need of you. Lord, my heart is sick. I want to have a relationship with you. Would you forgive me of my sin? I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. I give my life to you to forgive me of all my sin. In Jesus' name come on. If you did that today, I'd love you to email me, info at lovecitychurch.ca, and we'd love to get back with you. We'd love to meet you uh, right after the service as well. My wife and I will be on a Facebook live chat. Jump on there. Give us your name. Join us. We have a moderator there. who would love to talk with you, but we'll be there talking with you as well. Also, I'd like to encourage you that if you're in the city of Calgary, come and continue to join us online but when we gather together again in the future please do if not our church find a great church that you can be a part of because now you're a part of a bigger family you're a part of the community of God and now you get to have brothers and sisters who come alongside you and do life with you in this journey that you're in we love you have an amazing amazing Easter Sunday guys be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ amen see you guys later